Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings with our mentors. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors can provide that roadmap for your journey. Each week, I am blessed to be interviewing tennis coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They have authored books, papers, and other tennis articles, and they continue to get back today. Who do you expect to hear on each Thursday? Well, we're blessed to have four outstanding people each week. On the first Thursday, Alan Fox will be sharing his information with you. On this second Thursday, it's Coach Chuck Reese. On the third day, Thursday, it's Dr. John Murray. And on the fourth Thursday, it's Scott Williams. And on the fifth Thursday, when that happens, well, stay tuned and you will see who joins us. We will surely have a mentor that will fill in on that fifth Thursday for us. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network and CEO JP Weber for hosting our tennis net our tennis network. And if you are not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. And I'm sure we'll get JP to step in on some of those fifth Thursdays uh, for us in share the information that he has. The nice thing, of course, about Block Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live on our Thursday broadcast, well, Thursday, you get, even if you don't turn in live on Tuesdays to Lisa Stone and her parent aces or to Chuck Reese and American Tennis on Wednesdays, you can listen at any time you choose, just like it. On our Thursday program, if you miss it live, tune in when you can. And, of course, every Thursday, because I do believe what Dr. King said when he said, our lives begin and end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools. Together, we might wake up this sleeping giant called high school tennis. And the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. By the way, they are now in their 25th year, and uh, it's, exciting time and we want to thank Jim Marks for 25 years of producing the magazine and I want to thank him for allowing me to uh, put an article in there or two every issue and as I have previously expressed if you disagree with any of my written articles or any of my commentary on uh, the Yellow Ball Network by all means, email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise, D-A-N-I-S-E, period, fhstca at att.net. 
Who knows? I might even share your views. Because as Proverbs 29.18 reminds us, where there is no vision, the people will perish. So this is what this network is about, providing the information and hearing your views. It's not just ours. Besides Florida Tennis, I also want to thank Wilson Tennis, over 100 years in sports. And I do have to admit that I've seen much of that over uh, 75 years of it uh, viewed. And it's, uh, I wish I could be around for the next 100 years. I know it's going to be special. And District 15 MJTO is now in its 20th year of providing tennis programming for youth. Uh, a great program. Flagler Insurance. Flagler Insurance understands that our future leaders are now in high school now. And Team Connection Tennis. They have provided uh, uniforms for our players and coaches for our all-star event each year. And they're the reason they look so good is because Team Connection Tennis. And like they would like to remind us, Tennis fuels life. So we do want to thank all of them. They help us bring the information uh, to you. And uh, at the end of, uh, well, not at the end, but when I'm uh, through with our uh, mentor to today's discussion, I will give you uh, my perspective on uh, what I think uh, uh, is going on in North America, and I'll give you my suggestions, and like I said, I'm willing to uh, listen and hear your suggestions as too, because it's important that we all speak our mind, and if we have civil discussion uh, with each other, uh, we'll be able to solve some of these uh, problems. As I discussed before, it, 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 this broadcast is really a blessing to me. I mean, I, I, some of you have to be jealous. Who else each week can step to the microphone and discuss tennis, which legends like I can. I mean, today's guest is Alan Fox, and like I said, next week will be Chuck Reese. On the third uh, Thursday, it will be Dr. John Murray. And on the fourth Thursday, it'll be uh, Scott Williams. And on that fifth Thursday, um, I promise you we will have somebody special that is still mentoring. And this is what I think serious coaching is about. They're not afraid to share their views, and certainly they've helped. And there's not too many people that have mentored more people than today's guest, Alvin Fox. Um, if you haven't read his uh, books, uh, shame on you. you. You shouldn't read them all, but uh, I think still, they're, and they're all relevant. I shouldn't say that, but um, we all have our own preferences in life, and I'm no different. Uh, you know, tennis, winning the mental match, uh, I, I think is so important not only because it goes beyond uh, stroke development and it goes uh, beyond what we talk about with speed and the game of tennis, uh, you know, being a game of tennis, but it it takes you, there's lessons there, and I think this is what this broadcast is about, is tennis hopefully is going to be the vehicle that's going to help people go on to be successful later on. And there's not many people that's done what uh, our guest today, Alan Fox, has done. Uh, uh, going from being a, an All-American in college to going and uh, taking Pepperdine University, which wasn't known as uh, Tennis Mecca before he went there. And um, you could hear him on uh, watch some of his tips on uh, the Tennis Channel and we'll be blessed that the first Thursday of each month uh, we will be talking live with him. And I think I've seen him on now. Alan, are you there? Alan, are you uh, on the line? 
I am on the line. Yes. Let me. How are you? Plug in. And you don't have that sunburn yet, do you? Uh, no, I stay out of the sun. Not good for me. But 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 I like to look at nice sunny scenes uh, here in Hawaii, which is a very pleasant place to hang out. Anyway, it, uh, <laughs> it sure is. Off and, we uh, go, John. Hmm? Yes, I mean uh, we could talk about Hawaii, but I really think, especially after uh, watching the Australian Open, I really uh, would like to get into the topic of confidence and uh well you tell me what you think and did, did you think it was a factor in the australian open uh i thought it was i thought uh, by the final uh both feder and the doubt were were playing confidently uh and i've watched them play many a time when they weren't like Nadal's been struggling with confidence uh, for the last six months. I've watched him play some matches where his forehand, which was his his uh, forte, his strong suit, uh, where that broke down, where he was missing easy forehands. Uh, it's still not quite where it was, but it's it's come back virtually the whole way. I mean, and and so he's back. And Federer, I've watched him choke many a time against the Djokovic's and so forth. And he, he, he didn't look good earlier, uh, but he's, uh, by the final, he was very confident. I mean, if he wasn't confident, there'd be no way he could make the shots he was making. I mean, he was hitting, he, he was hitting <laughs> some shots that were so difficult. Uh, and, and those are the kind of shots you don't make unless you're confident. So uh, and, and 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 also by the time the two guys had gotten to the finals, uh, after playing six matches uh, and winning five setters, that builds your confidence. So their confidence undoubtedly built as the tournament progressed. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, and to go into that fifth set and uh, playing uh, the hold your serve the first. Uh, you're trying to hold your first and then not and go down two um, zero in the fifth set. I mean, to make it come back like that, you don't do that without confidence. But how about lack of confidence in some of the earlier matches? I thought there were some even, well, people that were pretty even. And, and did I misread? Did you see any? Uh, I don't want to go into the people necessarily. But do you think lack of confidence cost uh, anybody any matches? Well, uh, to be honest, I, I don't. I, I don't recall. I didn't watch uh, enough matches uh, to see lack of confidence do it. The matches I watched, uh, they, they were reasonably confident. Uh, so, I mean, it would be the very earliest rounds. If they get past a couple rounds, I mean, confidence builds with success if you win you get more confident if you lose you you get less confident of course if you lose we don't see you anymore in the tournament so (laughs) the guys the matches i saw (laughs) of course they 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 were already building confidence i I, what i did find surprising and what was interesting was uh federer not having played a tournament for what was it six months or so (laughs) to come in and win the Australian after not playing a tournament for six months, that's, that's an incredible feat of confidence. And, and, and there are basically, by the way, as far as confidence goes, I should define the type of confidence. In other yes, words, there's two different, two, two different types. One is, is like the inherent confidence that a person is either born with or uh, develops early in life. Uh, and 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 that's sort of just part of their genetic makeup. There's they, some people that are just from early on more confident than others. Uh, and the second kind of confidence is the kind that you get through experience. Whether you're confident or you're not confident to start with, when you win matches, you get more confident. Success breeds confidence. And so Federer is undoubtedly 
the type that's born with confidence. He was born with more confidence than most people. And, and I think that's somewhat, uh, somewhat common in the, in the champions. I think they are born probably more confident than others. I, I suppose there are others born as confident as they are that may not have the physical ability, so you don't see it. But, but in order to be a champion like a Federer or a Nadal, you have to be born with, with some relatively high level of, of inherent confidence. And so all it took was a match or two for Federer to win, and, and he was back in, the, uh, back in action again. I, I think the ordinary person would not be able to do that. And he's, and he's one less than a champion. When we take that individual between the ordinary person and those, and these few great champions that we have that probably were born in, uh, with confidence, like you said, how do you increase your confidence? How do you, you know, you're in that, you're in the top hundred uh, players yeah, you know, how do you increase your confidence? Uh, be, you know, I know winning is going to do it. The more you win, the more confident you're going to be. But is there any advice you would give? Well, I, I would say there's a, there's a couple of uh, sort of minor ways to increase it. I would say the, the major way you increase is by winning. Uh, the the uh, sort of uh, ancillary ways would be through uh, through your training through your preparation. Uh, I mean, I think people that, that have put in the hard yards that have done the physical work and have hit a lot of balls and have, and have just prepared themselves, they will tend to be more confident than if you haven't. Okay. So you can control that. And and I would say one last thing that I'm, I'm not sure of this one. Uh, I'm not sure of this one that I'm going to mention at all. But, I, but I've heard it from some of the people I've consulted with, and, and, and that is uh, by, visualizing, by visualizing winning, uh, you could sort of, before a match, and, and, and this, this uh, one person that I've just recently been in touch with, one of, my, one of my consulting clients told me that he was helped by before a match, sitting down and, and visualizing emotionally losing and how that felt and then visualizing winning. And, and, and of course, the losing, what he visualized was the, the disappointment of the loss and then how he got over it and how it didn't really matter and how he could handle that and it, it didn't hurt him. And then visualizing uh, winning the match and, and, and making the shots, and, and, and he said that did help him. I haven't done that personally. And so when, when I suggest things, the other stuff I suggest I know personally, having done it and tried it myself a uh, hundred years ago when I was playing the game. Uh, so visualizing, maybe. Uh, it's certainly worth a try. And, and, and I don't think it could hurt and probably does help somewhat. Uh, That's an interesting thing because I've often struggled with that myself, not as a player, as a coach, but in another life when I coached uh, basketball, I used to, I could always tell, I I couldn't always tell, but many times I could tell by the practice if we're going to win and lose and by measuring the competition and uh, we would, uh, I would sit there and put in an envelope if we would win or lose. And I must admit, when I had weak teams and I was trying to build confidence, I would give one envelope to one of my assistants and another envelope to another assistant. And I would sit there and uh, to try to encourage them to keep working, you know, and I depending on the message I wanted to give out. I would take, the, you know, I would say to that coach, you know, please give me the envelope and, you know, let's open it and see. So I think uh, uh, I always struggled with the visualization myself, and uh, uh, I, I I believe it, I read it, uh, but I must admit 
I, I, I don't know what the answer is there either. But what do you think that yeah. – uh, well, is there anything else you'd like to contribute to that before I get to my next question? Yeah, I had one other thought, and and, and I, I know you're a great one for applying the lessons – of the of the tennis court or the basketball court to real to to, to real life itself. Uh, yes, I and, think that's and, it. And I would say confidence uh, leads me to something, uh, and and that is the self-esteem theories that you hear. You know, uh, self-esteem inherent. You know, is is kind of another way of saying confidence. Okay, you know. Uh, self-esteem would be confidence in your own abilities, uh, right? And 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 what has happened in in recent in in the last I don't know what twenty thirty years is there are these self-esteem theories that that the psychologists have come up with, uh, and and they've correlated. You know, people who have high self-esteem, you know, tend to do better. Okay, it's helpful to you. Uh, and and what they've done is they've sort of put the horse before the cart uh, in that uh, because of the self-esteem theories, you know, they've, they've convinced kids, you know, everybody gets a prize because the object now is, is that you getting a prize is supposedly going to build your self-esteem or, you know, there's been grade inflation because getting bad grades, uh, you know, is going to make you feel bad. And so you're going to lower your self-esteem, supposedly, uh, and 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 criticizing, telling people an honest criticism of poor performance. You don't want to do that because it's going to hurt their self-esteem, uh, i.e., confidence. And it's gotten to the point, actually, where people don't. I'm not sure that the average person realizes that true self-esteem comes from success itself. I mean, you have to, you have to earn it. You can't be given uh, self-esteem. Self-esteem is earned uh, through effort and through success. I mean, and you've got to take your losses. And I think, you know, people may uh, on some sort of a form claim that they have self-esteem because they've been rubbed up uh, by by uh, authorities and people who are who, who, who've told them how good they are, but they haven't earned it. They don't really believe it. They might say they believe it, but when you get down to it, deep down, they don't believe it. You know, because you don't believe it deep down un- un- unless you've proven it to yourself. Anyway, that's that's my take on the self-esteem theories. I think the self-esteem theories have done much more harm than good. Uh, well, I personally agree more. with you. I just can't. I, I think one of the problems is, I think, I don't know how to express it like you can, but I think fear is related to confidence, and I just don't know if we do uh, any favors to anybody by sitting there, you know, handing out all these participation things. I mean, do you agree with me? Is, is fear and uh, confidence are they related? Is what related to confidence? Say that once more. Is what? Fear. What was you that? Know, fear? A person that's fearful. Yeah, well, fear is the opposite of confidence. In other right. words, uh, confidence reduces fear. Uh, and most people uh, are somewhat fearful until they've proven that they can do something. Uh, you, you go and you take some losses. I don't, uh, you know, you have fear. You have fear of further losses. I mean, those, that, that's what we fear. What, what everybody fears is that they're not, they're not going to be able to do the job right, that they're going to fail in some way. Uh, or uh, in sport, that would mean lose. Okay? Uh, and, and, and that is fear-producing. Uh, and, of course, confidence is the other side of that coin. That's the belief that you're going to succeed. Uh, but 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 I guess the point I wanted to make is you don't do it. I, I think, by the way, that doesn't mean that you couldn't hurt somebody by by demeaning them and telling them they're no good. That I think you could hurt them uh, if 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 you were to be abusive verbally. Uh, yes, 
I think if if you give uh, an honest assessment in a kind way, that's and 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 you say negatives, so be it. That's reality, uh, and ultimately the world, uh, you know, imposes reality on us on us all. We can't be shielded from it. I mean, give everybody participation trophies all you like, and then you run into the real world. They go get a job, and if they can't do it, you know, they're going to be fired. <laughs> you know, the real world is going to is going to impose itself whether you like it or not. And so, I think it's helpful for people to actually experience the real world rather than be shielded from it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think back. Uh, well, the young lady has a child now in my wife's uh, group. At, Ten and under, but a young lady that I had that took the three AAU Olympic uh, games with me, and she had a habit when she got in trouble. Her thing was she would start laughing. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I seen where she was in trouble in a match and laughing, and it was in a high school match, and you during the changeovers you could talk, and I called her to the fence, and she came over, and I didn't recognize that another young lady on the team had walked up behind me, and I said to her, I said, if I hear you laughing again during this match, I said, tomorrow I'm going to have the trainer here because I'm going to run you so hard that I'm going to have to have the trainer make sure you're okay. Do you understand me? And she went back Uh on the court, and the girl behind me says, Coach Denise, I never heard you talk like that. I, I think I would cry if you said that to me. And I says I would never say that to you. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think we, we forget people are individuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> it, 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 you know, there's another uh, aspect of of all of these things, uh, and, and that's the the conflict or potential conflict between the emotional system and the logic system. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and, and of okay. course, uh, yeah. And, and uh, that's one of the difficulties of coaching, by the way. Uh, one of the difficulties yes. of coaching is that you're dealing generally, the, the problems that you deal with as a coach are emotional problems. Okay. Uh, problems of, of, of unreality and emotionalism, and unfortunately, you can't directly get to somebody's emotional system uh, because when you're speaking, I mean, you're speaking or doing things, you're getting to their logic system. You can get to their rational uh, where they can understand, but the emotional system is another story. I mean, somebody, you could have two things going on at once. You could understand perfectly uh, a particular point and yet your emotional system may not change anyway. You see it all the time. <laughs> uh, right. It's a tricky one. And, and, and when you're trying to get to somebody as a coach, ultimately you're trying to reach their emotional system in some way. And, and I'm sure by kicking that girl in the butt, you got your emotional system. <laughs> True. Very true. You, you got I think to it. maybe that's why I enjoyed winning the mental match so much and, and all your books. I enjoy reading everything you do, uh, Doctor. Don't get me wrong, but I think I enjoyed that so much because I do believe that sports is a great vehicle. I mean, I have a bias to tennis naturally, but I think sports is a uh-huh. great vehicle to help you through that journey through life because you're going to go through successes and failures And you're going to go through times, uh, I know I hear the term mental toughness, Uh, I've used the term mental resiliency, and I've been told there's no such word, Uh, but uh, there probably isn't. Uh, Of course there is. None of us are really mentally tough, are we? Well, you know, the word mental toughness didn't exist either until somebody said it and wrote a book and... Uh, so forth. We all know what it means. I mean, uh, mental resiliency would be just as good. Uh, but, but, uh, sport, you know, I used to think that I was a, I was a very good student at one time. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I used to think that, that school, that the most important parts of school 
were in the classrooms by far. I thought the uh, the sport programs were they could have them or not have them. It wouldn't make any difference. They weren't that important compared to you know learning stuff in the classroom. In hindsight, having spent many years in the real world, uh, and I don't know that you know this, but I've run a couple of business small businesses, and I spent. Uh, my early years in business in the investment business, and I ran an investment company at one time uh, for a number of years. But so, right. so I've had a bunch of real world experience, uh, and and in hindsight, the 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 sports, the after school sports, the tennis court taught me much more than anything I learned in the classrooms. Much more. It's much more valuable, and this isn't to diminish the classroom, but. Sport teaches you uh, practicality. In other words, you, you, you're not going to get good in tennis unless you say, well, let's see, what are my weaknesses? How do I fix this? What do I do about that? You know, to get better, you have to, you have to understand what's going on, and you have to, you know, take action. You, you know, I learned in the tennis court that if I worked harder than anybody else, I would beat them. And so I learned the benefits of hard work. Now, now people could tell you that they could, you know, everybody says knows that hard work is a benefit, but most people don't even know what hard work really is. They think they're working hard and they aren't. Okay, <laughs> hard work. I mean, I uh, whatever I was putting in five or six hours uh, a day whenever I had a chance on the tennis court in the summer. I would play all day, and 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 in winters. I would play for th- until it was dark, and I put in more hours than anybody else, and so I got better than most people. But I learned that on the tennis court. I didn't learn that in school, and 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 I learned uh, to to get over my losses. You know, you don't learn that in school, but the real world, you take you take hits. You're not going to be successful right off in everything you do. You have to persevere. You have to have a long-term view and work towards it rather than you're just not going to get it right away, just like tennis. Uh, and and, and you've got to solve problems. You know, you've got a problem on the court. No one's going to save you. You've got to save yourself. And, and that's the real world. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to depend that someone else is going to, you know, save your bacon. You've got you to be strong and save yourself. And these are all things that are tremendously valuable in business. Uh, or anything else anyone wants to be successful at. And and you don't learn those things in the schoolroom. I mean, yeah, I learned geometry. I don't use it. But I but I certainly use the stuff I learned on the tennis court. I, I, I use my algebra a little bit. I use arithmetic, yeah. <laughs> uh, history is nice. Uh, it does give me depth. Uh, but in the practical real world of making a living, the stuff I learned on the tennis court was what what helped me. And I think, uh, and, and again, my own bias. I think tennis has more lessons in what you said. I agree with you 100 percent. And that's all sports. I think could contribute, but I think tennis more than anything else because you're doing all those things by yourself out there on the court. I think of. Back when I coached basketball, when I saw something going wrong, I could take somebody, sit them next to me and tell, watch this, this is what I want you to do, send somebody in, and then I would take that person out and sit them next to me and say, this isn't what you're doing, and I want you to watch here, and I could send that individual in, and many times it was good for my ego because I saw an improvement of what was going on. In tennis, you don't have that luxury. You're out there, and you better solve the problem yourself. I, I completely agree. Uh, and, and I'll add another element to it, and that is, you know, uh, you, you go the, – the team sports are great, and they do have their benefit. I mean, they do teach you to work with others and, the val- and to think of others and the value of, of helping your teammates so that your team can win. You know, that you can't do it all by yourself, which is one lesson of business, too. You can't do that by yourself either, totally. Uh, But what tennis does, what an individual sport like tennis does, I mean, 
it's much more emotional, much more difficult emotionally. Like, for instance, you go down to the basketball court. I used to play basketball. I loved it. You go out to the park. I could play all morning. You know, you lose a game. You win a game. You know, you play well. You don't play well. You lose. And, and, and it wasn't very emotional. But you go play a tennis match and, and you, 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 you play a tough tennis match and you lose, that is emotional. That doesn't feel good. And you've got to get over it. You, 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 the, the, the wins and losses you know, are, feel worse individually than they do on a team sport. Uh, and, and, and the self-reliance aspect and, and figuring it all out yourself uh, that that's more individual sport oriented than team sport. So, I mean, they both have their, their place. I would say the individual sport, if I, if, if you had to pick which was going to be better for you as a person in life uh, to make it in this tough world w- without somebody giving it to you, it would be an individual sport like tennis. Uh, I would say other individual sports, I mean, like swimming or something like that, where you, you 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 have to work hard and it's tough and you drive yourself. Those those kind of people do well in businesses too. Yeah, it's but not a question I, I of all of them, tennis is the best of the bunch. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that many of our business leaders are also uh, people that were involved in uh, sports, uh, and uh, and I'm sure many of them have read your books and. Uh, Helped about that. Let me get back to confidence, if I may, for a minute, because one of the things I struggle with, maybe just because of the lack of experience, uh, and you know, how do, do I give advice? When the, when you, if you sense a person that's, you know, just is off today, uh, you know, you might sense it in their shots. But if I am a player. And my confidence level, I've lost the last couple of matches. My confidence level isn't so good. Do I go for my shots? Can you, can you play tennis safe, I guess is what I'm asking. I, I, right or wrong, I always said, unless you can look across the net and you're twice as good as that player, you can't play safe. Uh, how do you have confidence in your shots uh, when they're not going in? Well, that's that. By the way, that's a very complex problem. Uh, and, <laughs> that's why I'm and, asking and very, you. I never. <laughs> yeah, very I never difficult got... one. I, I mean, and here's the way I, I see that one. I mean, ideally, uh, ideally in tennis, you would like to be able to uh, be the dominant player. In other words, you, you'd like to be able to go for your shots, be the aggressive one, make the difficult shot you know, make, hit the winner, uh, and, and so forth. You'd like to put your opponent, uh, on the defense as best you can. And of course, let's discuss the level at the highest levels of the game. Offense has the advantage over defense. Okay. So they need to be as offensive as possible, uh, within, uh, within keeping of not missing very much. In other words, you, you, you want to be as offensive as you can be without making uh, uh, an undue number of errors. If you make too many errors, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose. Uh, at the lower levels of the game, basically uh, consistency has the advantage. At the low levels of the game, you're better off if you can grind and not miss. Uh, you'll probably win. Uh, as you get to the higher levels of the game, you've got to hurt the opponent. So it depends what level you're talking about. But I'm assuming the higher level, uh, and and in that case, you know, uh, at the very high levels, if you don't hit the good shot, your opponent and hurt your opponent, your opponent is probably going to end up hitting the good shot and hurting you, and so you you try to hurt them before they hurt you, uh, and so you don't have the luxury of just hanging back and not doing much, but but. Here, here's the deal. I think you try to play at the maximum power you can and yet not make too many errors. That's the way I would describe it. I would call it the maximum power level, that a controllable power level, where you're, you're hitting it as hard as you can and still keeping it in. Uh, 
Uh, and that's going to vary according to how confident you are. I mean, when you're really confident, you, you can go up the line, you can take it up the line early in the point, you know, and make it. You know, you can take more risk because you feel good. And so you're going to make the shot. The, the problems, of course, occur when you're not confident and you feel like you ought to take it up the line and go for the winner, but you don't feel confident to do it. Then the question is, should you force yourself to do it anyway? Uh, and, and my answer is no. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 I have seen that not work. And, and what happens is when you force yourself to hit above what you feel comfortable or that you feel you can make, you miss it. Uh, and I'll tell you from personal experience uh, why I think that. When I was at UCLA, I was playing on the UCLA team. Uh, my coach, J.D. Morgan, uh, used to tell me, he'd say, Alan, he says, when, when your opponent misses the first serve, you've got to hurt them on the second serve. Okay, and this is, we were playing at high level. I mean, our teams won the NCAA team championship and, and you know, uh, not to brag, but I, I was playing number one on the team most of the time, and I did win the NCAA singles. But, right. but he, he said, you got to go for it. And so, which I did. I, I hit my, my return on the second serve. They're always kicking it up to your backhand, and I would hit it flat. And hard. Uh, I had a one-handed backhand. It was difficult, but I did it. And I did pretty well with it anyway. But over the years, uh, you know, within a couple of years, I realized that I'm, I, I'm a conservative person. I'm not naturally uh, a wild, go-for-it kind of guy. Uh, I, I'm cautious. And, and I was forcing myself to go for it. And, and I noticed over, the, over time that I missed it. On the, I was okay on the smaller points. But as I got to a big point and I forced myself to go for it, I missed it too often. And, and, and I found out I was better chipping my backhand return, slicing it low to the guy's feet, and then going for the passing shot uh, maybe a shot or so later. Uh, forcing myself to go for the return was a losing proposition for me. And it took me years to really figure it out. I mean, I was pretty effective anyway, but it was my, my highest percentage was to go low with it. Uh, and even later, I would go for the flat return sometimes when I felt good. But, but when I didn't, I was better off chipping it, not missing it. And I'll give you one more example of this. And this was Novotna playing. Am I going on too long here, John? No, no, no. Go ahead. You're still there, huh? Okay. I'm still. <laughs> yeah, we're here because I think there's great lessons here. I mean, just going back to where I believe it's a journey to help you through life. Same thing in business. You want to be offensive. You want to go out there and be aggressive. But you know, you've got to sit there. You can't go way beyond your means out there. You might be losing your shirt. So I mean, I love what you're saying. Please go on. Your next example. Yeah, well, and by the way, it goes back to the idea that in tennis, it's a percentage game. You play the percentages, okay? Right. You, you'll probably win mostly if you're playing high percentage for you. What's high percentage for you might not be high percentage for the next person. So it's an individual thing. A might be great going for the winner on the return, and B might be better off chipping it. Even though they both might have equally good backhands, okay, because one's more cautious than the other and gets nervous and then he misses. But but let me let me give you another example, and that was Novotna at Wimbledon played Steffi Graf in the finals, her first uh, her first Wimbledon final, and and Novotna was a serve volleyer from Czechoslovakia, had a big flat first serve, darn good and a kick second serve, and she was, she was a good volleyer. She was, she was tough at the net. And she was playing Graf, who had a, a weak backhand passing shot. Graf sliced the backhand, and that's a bad shot for a passing shot. It's okay for a server term, but not a good one for a passing shot. And, the, and they were playing on grass, which is a surface that helps the, the volleyer because the ball doesn't bounce 
as evenly as it does on a hard court uh, and, and skids. And it's the, the net player has the biggest advantage on grass of any surface if, if you can volley. So anyway, uh, Novotna, they're in the third set, and Novotna is up two service breaks, uh, 4-1 on her own serve, uh, and I think it was 40-15. She, she was, uh, it, it had uh, game points, and I think up 40-15. And so all Novotna has to do now is win one of these points, and she's going to be up 5-1 in the third set, you know, probably an insurmountable lead. At least she's thinking that. And at this point, Novotna starts to miss her first serve. And, and not only does she miss her first serve virtually every time, but she's double faulting about every third time she serves. You know, lots of double faults and no first serves in the court. And so, but, but Novotna continues to hit the flat first serve. And she continues to go for winter volleys. And she continues to miss them. And, 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 and she ended up losing every single game and lost the match, 7-5 in the third. Or 6-4 in the third, I think it was. Uh, anyway, she lost every game. Uh, and, and, and I was thinking to myself as I was watching it, I was thinking, this girl is nervous. And so when she hits the flat serve, that's a lower percentage serve. That's more difficult. And, and when she's nervous, she can't make the difficult shot. She's too nervous to do that. So what she needs to do is get the first serve in, spin it in, you know, kick it into Graf's backhand and get to net and volley to the backhand. Now, it's better if she could just blow Graf out with her normal game. But at this point, she's too nervous to do that. And so all she did by trying to push it, playing her normal game, was miss all over the place. She tried to hit her volley hard, and she missed it. Okay, she missed all kinds of volleys and she double folded a lot and she her serve did her no good. So, yeah, it would be better off if she could make the big shot, but she but that wasn't happening. So she would have been best off. She would have had to rely on graph missing, which is not as good a thing, but it's better than missing yourself. And that's what happens if you're unconfident and afraid to hit the shot. You force yourself to, to hit it. You miss it. So that's alternative one. Alternative two is to take a little off, play it a little safer, and now you're relying that the other person is going to make an error. Now, maybe they don't, and maybe you lose anyway. But that, to me, is a better alternative than missing outright yourself. And in today's baseline game, what, what that amounts to is you don't take it up the line and hit the risky winner uh, when maybe you could, if you were confident, you may have to hit cross court a few more times or put a little more air under the ball or a little more topspin. You might like to hit a flat winner, but if you don't feel good, you might have to go with a little more topspin. Okay? And, and, yep. and so those are your alternatives. I saw Nadal doing that against Federer, by the way. I saw him get a little nervous. And, and not hit the ball as deep and hard with his forehand, but with a little more topspin on it, okay? You wouldn't notice it from the sideline, but I was noticing it. You know, uh, when I watch these matches, I, I, I notice the big points to see if the guy is confident to go for the winner or is not. Uh, and, and, and people choke when they're ahead. <laughs> and so uh, that's when I'm watching to see what the player is going to do. No, anyway, a lot of lessons in the tennis court. There's no two ways about it. And uh, thank God, uh, Wilmington, that she had another sh- shot coming up because. Uh, uh, but the problem is everybody doesn't get a second chance to come uh, back. Well, I'll end, yeah, let me I'll, add one other thing. Let me add one thing ahead. about that match before I go away from it, and that okay. is just because you choke. Just because you choke, it doesn't mean you're going to lose. Okay, you can choke and still win as long as you don't get too rattled about it. And and choked in one match, it doesn't mean you'll choke in the next match or in all your matches because Novotna came back and won Wimbledon. You know, like four years later, right. three or four years. She, you know, and so it, it didn't destroy her. You know, you keep nope. playing and you stay in there 
and, and, and you have hope and you keep your spirits up and maybe you win it the next time. So th- that was the second lesson in the Novotna uh, destruction was that, you know, it didn't mean that she was destroyed totally. She lost that one, but she came back and won it a couple of years later. Great point. Anyway, Great I wanted point. to throw that in there. I wanted to throw yeah, that it's in an important, you, It's an important point, and that's what I say. You don't always get a second chance, but if you don't let it destroy you and you keep playing your good, you can come back. You can do it, and she's the perfect example going from crying and uh, at the end to uh, holding uh, the trophy is just uh, an amazing uh, experience. So, Alan, we've gone through uh, just about a show uh, would you, I'd, I'd like to, uh, the next two minutes is yours before I go do some uh, business and see if I get my commentary, but um, when you get back from uh, Hawaii, how do people uh, get a hold of you, and uh, hopefully they're still reading your book. I, I'm assuming, uh, are all your books still available? I know uh, tennis win, uh, winning the mental matches because I uh, recommended to somebody, and they uh, told me they did get it. So, and and they didn't hit you. They didn't come after you with a stick after they did that. <laughs> no, they they didn't. Uh, they Good. did. I mean, uh, no, no, let me with your books. Okay, well, uh, winning tennis, winning the mental match is available on my website. Uh, in hard in 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 hard copy, uh, or at tennis warehouse, or uh, on Amazon, uh, and 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 you you'll you can buy it and and we'll ship it to you, uh, and and that's strictly a tennis uh, mental tennis game. Although a lot of the principles you can apply elsewhere. I have another book that I wrote a few years earlier, uh, based on my business experience. Uh, and tennis and other experience called uh, The Winner's Mind, which is a, a, a book that, that uses the principles of tennis and sport uh, to show you uh, how people are successful in other areas. Uh, and so it's a crossover book. And, and that's available on Amazon, and it's also available uh, on Kindle uh, and electronically. Uh, and my first book, uh, called uh, If I'm the Better Player, Why Can't I Win, which I wrote about 35 years ago. Uh, it was really the first book in tennis uh, on how to go about winning tennis matches uh, mentally, with the mental difficulties of tennis. Uh, it, it, and, and that's available on Kindle. And a lot of the principles still hold. I, wouldn't, uh, I would say the, the winning the mental match uh, is an advancement over that, but that th- that has a lot of good stuff in it, uh, and it might make an interesting read. Although winning the men tennis, winning the mental match uh, is superior uh, because it's based on uh, an extra 35 years of coaching and consulting experience. So my 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 concepts uh, were honed down, got a lot more uh, precise over the years. So that's that. I do do I do consult uh, personally uh, by telephone mostly, sometimes by Skype, uh, and and my website uh, you can you can uh, purchase any of these things on my website, AlanFoxTennis.net. Uh, you can purchase books uh, or my consulting uh, and even a tape uh, on my website. So. That's my pitch. That's my uh, whatever uh, uh, self promotion, which. Well, Alan, we all need to uh, self promote at times, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here, and I really look forward to the first of the next month because every Thursday on the first uh, Thursday of the month we'll be having these conversations, and I thank you for uh, doing that. I'd like to remind everybody uh, that, um, you know, the uh, schedule will remain the same. We will have Alan Fox on the first uh, Thursday of the month, Chuck Creasy on the second, 
Uh, on the third, we will have Dr. John Murray on, and then on the fourth, uh, Scott Williams, who's coached Tommy Haas and coached uh, high school and coached juniors. He's coached at all levels and takes a different way of uh, coaching through the scriptures. So I think between everybody, you'll see we're all going in the same way. We're all looking at uh, tennis as a vehicle to get us, help us through life. And we all have different uh, approaches. Of course, on those months that there's a fifth Thursday, uh, trust me, you're going to enjoy. Uh, last uh, Thursday, we had uh, Ashley Hobson on there, and uh, uh, it was an outstanding broadcast. We might get him back. He talked a lot about uh, uh, the French Association and how they support um their programs with a master pro mentor and everything. And this is what we're looking to do here. I mean, the great coaches like Alan Fox, they're out there. They've helped Brad Gilbert. They've helped so many people. We've all, you know, I've always told people, I'm thankful I'm not in jail because I'm the biggest thief in the world. I haven't contributed many original thoughts uh, to tennis and most of the stuff I've done. And truthfully, and in basketball, it was the same way. It was all stuff that I have. But the good coaches do go out and they're willing to share. There, there's nothing that we have that's so important that we shouldn't be able to share. And that's what we're going to try to do here. I mean, and, and most of these people do. Uh, Ashley Hobson talked about the mentoring program. Of course, the discussion is uh, why aren't we doing this in the United States? I mean, should every region uh, in the country uh, be having a master coach mentoring uh, people? We have enough great um, master uh, pros that could sit there and help. Um, But, you know, hopefully I'll live long enough to uh, see the USTA adopt that with their different sections, but I'm not betting on it. But, Great individuals like uh, Ashley Hobson, he's going to do it uh, at uh, Inspiration Academy down in Bradenton for the Florida coaches, and he's having a mentor program where he will take in one or two mentors during the sessions. He'll be able to come down there, and uh, we haven't worked out all the the criteria yet, I will let you know uh, later on, but the great coaches are willing to do this. They're willing to learn, and I mean, imagine a young high school coach going out there and having somebody that's been in 60 countries around the uh, world and had been a Davis Cup uh, captain and uh, has, has coached all these people and experience and willing to sit there and come into uh, their camps and share that information with you. Uh, and uh, Inspiration Academy, wow, what a uh, what a place that is. I spent two days over there uh, going over some co- with coaches, uh, discussing some of the problems of North America and some of the things that we might be able to do to help uh, and again, uh, I don't know why they've invited me back because I have more questions and solutions. When I got older, I just uh, I have always have more questions than answers. But thank God uh, we will have uh, Alan Fox on on the first Thursday, Chuck Reese on the second Thursday, uh, Dr. John Murray on the third Thursday. Uh, Scott Williams on the fourth Thursday in those times when we have a fifth Thursday, I guarantee you we'll have somebody special on. So tell your friends, come here all the time and listen to our mentors. These are all people that have done so much, have helped other people get started, and they're still willing to do it today, which is the important thing. So um, please tell your friends. I look forward to uh, talking uh, uh, with you again next uh, week. And uh, like I said, Chuck Creasy will be our uh, mentor for next week. I thank you, Alan Fox, for your contributions. I look forward to talking with you again next month. Have a blessed week. And I will uh, look forward to our conversations next week. Bye now.
Okay, love. 